The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. are now in the underdog sports fantasy hour i am josh dunn i'm joined as always by anshu kana anshu this is kind of a ceremonious show because we have a reaction to week one and uh a kind of a preview of week two but i know one of the two of us is very happy about week one so i'll allow you to introduce yourself and kind of gloat a little bit because i feel like you deserve it <laughs> oh yeah you know I, I love to gloat about the packers i'm i'm totally on board but uh no i mean you we watched it together after a few early hiccups, it was uh, it was a great experience. Obviously, appreciate your hospitality, and uh, yeah, it went about as good as possible as far as like the actual result on the field for them. But uh, you know, it's only one week, so we'll we'll see if they're able to sustain it. But yeah, pretty fun first uh, week one. Yeah, we walked through the lines on BovadaSportsbook.com a week ago, and I you know I've got to confess they have all my money now, so. <laughs> We're, we're gonna go through. We're gonna go through all of the all of the lines for the games here in week two to come. But uh, we're gonna react quickly to each game. We're gonna give our thoughts on really one of the big takeaways from each game from week one, and then we'll preview what's to come with week two. We're gonna mix in our fantasy advice. We're gonna talk betting lines. We're gonna give our advice and uh, kind of give our thoughts. But it's certainly it's certainly interesting to see some of these storylines that we kind of touched on going into the season come to fruition a little bit and we'll touch on each one of them but I wanted to start with the Thursday night game I know it feels like a distant memory right now on you but mm. it was kind of I think what we expected we both had the Chiefs uh, I know it was a big line going their way but the storyline I mean it continues to be the Texans and their mediocre play calling their mediocre offensive line play but what was your big takeaway here from this Chiefs game in week one? Yeah, I think going in, you're interested to see, you know, how it all gets parsed out on that Texans offense. Because, you know, I, I think we all sort of expected the Chiefs to look exactly like they did. You get touchdowns out of Kelsey and Hill and Edwards Hilaire looks good. I, I don't know that there was any shocking revelations on that side. I think that seeing the targets flow towards Will Fuller from a fantasy perspective was my biggest takeaway. And also that I, I, you know, we weren't sure if they would look like if maybe we overrated the loss of DeAndre Hopkins, and I don't think that that happened. I think that they looked about as down as you would expect them to losing that piece. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, the bright spot, though, David Johnson comes back on that trade. He actually looks pretty mm -hmm. good in that game, especially coming off of the injury-laden last couple seasons we've had out of him. So, you know, on one side of the coin, you have DeAndre Hopkins, who goes to Arizona, which we'll get to. He has a career-high 14 catches, career day oh. for him. But on the other side of that coin, they get David Johnson, and you would have to at least think, I mean, Duke Johnson goes down in that game. If David Johnson can stay healthy, you would at least like to think that maybe, you know, if he can become a shell of himself, they at least... 
you know, if you're going to shop DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers in the league, if you can get a running back who's still kind of in his prime, even though he's been through mm-hmm. some injuries, maybe you did okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't see Houston being. Uh, obviously, it's the Chiefs, and you don't want to put too much stock in Game One, especially with no preseason this year. But uh, you, you signed Deshaun Watson to a huge contract this offseason, and you know this is what you have to show for it. I don't know if they're too 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 excited about that Game One. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's a chance for you to jump up and show that you're above what you know maybe some might think you are. And I didn't see that. I will. I, I'll completely agree with you. I mean, you know, David Johnson looked great. Seven yards per carry. Scores a touchdown, had another three catches for 32 yards, and used him as a receiver quite a bit. I think that, you know, if he's able to stay healthy, which is always the if with him, um, you know, he looks every bit the weapon that Bruce Arians utilized a few years ago uh, for that Cardinals offense. I I don't know that he'll stay healthy, and I don't know that Bill O'Brien is smart enough to use him that way. But if those things all come together, and, you know, Deshaun Watson is the great equalizer here, if all those things come together, I think that he becomes a, a total league, you know, a, a league winner potentially. I mean, he is that good, I think, if went healthy. I think that's fair. All right, speaking of league winners, we've got Russell Wilson who came out and threw four touchdown passes against the Falcons. I think, you know, when we talked leading up to uh, week one, both you and I kind of agreed. I think I was probably pressing the issue more with the Falcons being better this year. And obviously the Seahawks a sexy pick to be potential Super Bowl contender this year. Russell Wilson always in the – conversation for league MVP but the Falcons did a lot through the air they got 300 uh, three receivers over 100 yards in this one engage Ridley mm. and Julio Jones but Todd Gurley gets into the end zone he's still maybe fantasy relevant you know you have Chris Carson productive but the real story here is Russell Wilson continuing to shine and the Falcons maybe even though they have all these first round picks on their lineup you, you still wonder I mean I think they're going to be better and I don't think you judge a team based on this first week as we just alluded to with the Texans but it's certainly cause for concern to lose this one at home the way they did. Completely agree. From a football perspective, I think that the takeaway is that, you know, I, I was with you, by the way. I, I like the Falcons. I think this was a toss-up game going in. And it tells me that there is an NFC hierarchy here where the Seahawks are clearly above the Falcons. And maybe part of that is because they actually did let Russ cook a little bit. But I, I think that overall – you know, they just they look like the better team, obviously. Um, you know, the Falcons get a lot of empty calories with Russell Gage and, the, and all those yards. I think that, you know, they're still going to be a really productive offense and have, they have a lot of fun pieces from a fantasy perspective. But, you know, they've that's been kind of the M.O. of the Falcons, right, over the last few years. And, um, you know, if, if, if I was a Falcons fan, I would not be super excited about what I saw here because it seems like there's a clear line between these two teams. And I think that the Falcons, the takeaway to me, too, is, you know, I think you're starting your people against the Falcons, your fantasy players against the Falcons almost every time. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think either way that you know that you're going to get fantasy value out of the Falcons. But after what we saw last year, I mean, we had that, even though the running back position was kind of a mess for them. But you just never really mm-hmm. saw this team win games. I mean, they they had that big win over the Niners and you saw flashes of what they can be. But for the most part, this Falcons mm-hmm. team last year was just – not great, and you hope that this isn't a revelation if you are a Falcons fan of things to come. All right, we got a couple stinkers here coming up. We got the Jets, Bills. We're not going to spend too much time on it, aren't you? And I think that there is going to be a common theme for these next two games, and that's quarterbacks that you don't like performing better than you would have expected them to do. And the first one's Josh Allen. What did you think out of his first game here <laughs> this season? 
I mean, 46 passes against the Jets in a game that they had well in hand, you know, for the majority of the game is, uh, I mean, that's, that's a sign you want to see when you're, if you're, you know, a fantasy owner of, of Josh Allen. I mean, we already knew that he was a really good runner for a quarterback, which made him a little bit of a cheat code and made him elevate a little bit above what I think we all understand is his actual level on the football field. But you know, for fantasy, he's super useful. And uh, when you throw, when you get 46 passes out of Josh Allen, um, that's generally going to be a good thing. I think I'm surprised he didn't throw an interception candidly, but like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good sign. You're, you're a Diggs owner, a Smokey Brown owner. I think that all those, all Smacky. those guys are interesting. Smokey Brown was, uh, was feeling it out there on the stat line. Yeah, and if you took a chance on Le'Veon Bell, it's kind of the opposite. I mean, he's he's now on the IR. It looks like he could be out for a while. Frank Gore out-touched him, I believe, in Game One, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, at least on the ground. And it just looks like this Jets yep. team could be. If it's not going to be my dunster fire of the week that'll be coming up here in a little bit, it's it's got to be the Jets <laughs> this year. Which again, we'll we'll get to it, but. Uh, the next the next game, I think you're going to have some things to say on it uh, when it comes to that, and that's that's Bears Lions. This was the other game in the NFC North. We'll get to your Packers on you, but the Bears come back. I mean, Trubisky looked absolutely horrible in the first half. Has three second half touchdowns to give himself a bit of a leash as the season continues. Do you think Trubisky can somehow come back? to relevance i know the answer to this and i'm going to have fun listening to it there's no denying we were watching it together that passed anthony miller which is the go-ahead touchdown you see deandre swift drop the game-winning touchdown for for the lions but i mean trubisky you see flashes with him i know you don't think he's good i know you think he's a horrible decision maker but you do see flashes of why they jump up in the draft to take him ahead of patrick mahomes which i'm sure ryan pace and company are still kicking themselves for (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah and not taking Watson either and yeah I mean look I I don't think he's a good quarterback it's obviously well documented like you said but I you know I can't deny that the pass to Anthony Miller was uh, it was just a money ball it was a great pass in a clutch spot and uh you know I I mean before last year I I had a lot of faith in Matt Nagy too I think that he's a pretty good schemer at least I did and so, you know, when you combine that with uh, the maligned Allen Robinson this week and Anthony Miller and, you know, seemingly a resurgent Jimmy Graham, maybe, plus Cohen and David Montgomery. I mean, there are pieces that could lead Trubisky to be. Hurts you to say a, this. I have. A it feeling. hurts. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, there are pieces that make him a non like bottom two or three. You know, like you could be starting as your quarterback. <laughs> he could be the 29th best quarterback in the league <laughs> I, after a three-touchdown performance. Mind you, yeah. in standard in standard scoring, this is a fantasy show, he did outscore both Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes in week one in standard scoring. Wow, there you go. That's a good – there's a takeaway right there. Um, I don't expect that to, to sustain, personally. <laughs> no? But Come on. No, I, I, that's my hot take of the week. That's my bold, bold call. Shoot um, the week right there. Chewing for sure. Yeah. But, you know, I, you know, and again, this week against the Giants at home, we'll get to it. But I think that there's a chance that he kind of keeps the train rolling a little bit and, he, you know, he can run a little bit. So, you know, he, like if you're starting him as your QB, too, I, I mean, you could do worse, I guess. But I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be doing it personally. All right, we can do it. Your Packers, I, I I, mean, there's two storylines in this game, in my opinion, on you. It's Aaron Rodgers. We talked a lot about what version of Aaron Rodgers we were going to see this year. I think you and I both agreed that this could be a year where he kind of resurfaces as one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And the other storyline was how good the Vikings' defense was going to be 
And it just purely was not. It was they got beat on deep balls. Rodgers probably could have had six touchdowns in this game if Marquez Valdez Scantling doesn't drop two wide open passes. But either way, Rodgers looked absolutely ridiculously good in this game. Even Cousins hit a few deep balls. The Packers secondary is a bit suspect, but you've got to be pretty proud of what you saw out of your boy here, uh, here in Week One. Yeah, I mean, he looked sharp. It's not like he's playing against a coordinator that he's dominated. Like, Mike Zimmer's been pretty good against him from way back when he was, you know, the D coordinator for the Bengals even. So there were – there, it was a great sign for Rodgers for this offense. It was great that he spread it out to Lazard and, you know, and uh, he obviously MBS, like you said, plus Devontae Adams goes absolutely insane. I think that this offense has a lot of potential in year two. We saw Matt Ryan win an MVP in year two. With Matt LaFleur, we know what Kyle Shanahan's done in year two with other quarterbacks, as has Sean McVay. So I think that there's like a lot of potential from that perspective, which is what we talked about a lot last week. But, you know, I, I yeah, like, I mean, that's that's pretty much it on that first front. I do think that the Vikings are not like, you know, last year's or the year before's Vikings. We know that some of their corners have been sort of passed out around the league as they became free agents. So this group that they rolled out is not a classic Zimmer cornerback group and I think that while their safeties and linebackers are really good there are going to be teams that are going to be able to get at them and um, you know that may continue this week as well so it's something to watch for with them but uh, yeah like I I don't know you know in the past maybe when you went up you had players up against the Vikings from a fantasy perspective you were a little bit concerned I don't know that you're going to feel that way this year yeah it doesn't seem that way I mean it remains to be seen. I know we talked about a lot with the futures uh, on on the Packers versus the Vikings this year, whether it was the division or the NFC or you know this game, the money line on the Packers. I, I you and I both just did not see why the Packers could potentially be below the Vikings given everything that we saw last year. But here we are, Packers handle Minnesota in Minnesota under a capacity crowd. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I wish, I wish I was serious on that, but, but it is, it is, it has to be pretty good to see that as a Packers fan. What about your Patriots? I know you're a big Cam Newton guy coming in this year based on the way you drafted, uh, in our league, but the Dolphins, you know, they, they have Devonte Parker go down. They cannot figure out who the running back of choice is. They didn't look good, but Cam Newton, I feel like he did a good job of controlling this offense. I feel like he's obviously the storyline here, replacing Tom Brady, but they kind of look pedestrian after get out, getting out to an early lead. I, I don't know. What do you make of this Patriots team? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think they're, it's still kind of the feeling out period. I mean, I thought it was the big, big takeaway has to be Cam Newton carrying the ball 15 times. I mean, that's insane to me um, coming off the injuries and, you know, the idea that maybe he would be a little less likely to run. Um, you know, they felt like they don't have the weapons to either throw to or run with enough for for to avoid that. And so they go to Miami and, and use him 15 times in his first game. That's wild to me. But, um, you know, I think that that dearth of options for them is, is a major concern. I mean, he forced that Julian Edelman, which is fine. I think James White is going to get going for them in a big way um, as like a poor man's, I don't even want to say CMC, but even before CMC, you know, they used a lot of like D'Angelo Williams and different sort of players to catch the ball out of the backfield from Cam. I think that that's the kind of, a lot of what you'll see out of white. And I think that over time, over the course of the season, this team will evolve offensively. But I think that, you know, Cam and that Patriots team is probably the most interesting storyline of this first month, just to see like how 
they look because I running the ball 15 times with a 31 year old Cam Newton is just not sustainable. Yeah, I mean they lose Damian Harris early in camp. They're they're working mm-hmm. on a if you, if you think of a running back committee, theirs is like fivefold. They always have a, a ridiculously random stable of running backs that they can throw out there, and the receiving core is mediocre at best. You mentioned Edelman force fed the ball, and obviously. Nikhil Harry fumbles the ball going into the end zone oh. in this game, which is not a great look when they're hoping that he could maybe take the torch. But we'll see. I mean, I, I'm not sold on the Patriots with Cam yet, but, uh, you know, he, he definitely looks healthy, and I think that's the most important storyline in this game. Yeah, I agree. And on the other side, I mean, obviously we know the Patriots secondary is good, even with the uh, opt-outs from the season. But Brian Fitzpatrick, hor- just horrendous. Like, in the past, he's been able to – get some empty calorie scores for your fantasy teams. And you mentioned the Devontae Parker injury, but man, just to the, the line of, you know, sub 200 yards, three picks, no touchdowns is uh, not only going to not get it done, but it's likely to get you benched in many scenarios. So um, I have a feeling this Patriots team that's going to do that to a lot of other teams, but interested to see what they do against Russ this weekend. Yeah. Maybe a two, a sighting soon. Speaking of young quarterbacks getting an opportunity, Dwayne Haskins has the reins for the Washington football team. I didn't expect this. I mean, I I was betting the house on Bovada with the Eagles. They ended up just absolutely shitting all over themselves. They get sacked eight times. Carson Wentz is going to have some serious trouble. I mean, this Washington defense, especially the defensive front, is going to be a little bit scary for some teams, and I think they're Mm -hmm. an underrated team overall. They have a lot of kind of random pieces that they're going to be able to beat you with. They didn't – I wouldn't say they were imposing their will offensively. Peyton Barber has two touchdowns randomly in this game. This isn't going to be a team that scares you, but when you look at that defensive front, they're going to be able to put pressure on a lot of quarterbacks. And with a line like the Eagles right now, if you're a team that's going to play Philadelphia this year and you watch the tape on this game – I mean, you've got to pre- be creative with blitz packages. Carson Wentz seemed to be holding the ball in the pocket way too long, way too many times. Yeah, I mean, you completely nailed it. Like, the that front for the Washington is really good, both on the edge and inside. Obviously, they add Chase Young, who's the big difference maker, but they have, you know, Matt Ioannidis and Ryan Kerrigan and Montez Sweat and, you know, Allen from um, from Alabama. And, you know, they've, they've got a, a lot of really talented players up front, so you're absolutely right. If a team goes in there and kind of half-asses their game plan, they're going to get beat by this team, especially with Ron Rivera coaching, who I think is, you know, an average to above-average coach, but certainly, like, a more disciplined coach and, and one that knows how to coach up, like, really talented front players. And so I think that that's it's a, an astute takeaway. And, um, you know, they play Arizona this week, which we'll talk about, but, like, that's – I think that that's a situation where, again, this defensive front can get after – a quarterback if, if he holds on to the ball too long or if his offensive line isn't playing up to snuff. And I think that this this Washington team is going to be a tough battle for a lot of teams both within that division and outside it. And, you know, the NFC doesn't exactly have a ton of great offensive lines the way things are looking right now. So it could be an opportunity for this team. You know, maybe their offense looks like a four-win team, but their their line, their defense, makes them more of like a 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight team over the course of a long season. Yeah, only undefeated team in the NFC East, which we, we've talked about in years past as a quite a dumpster fest of a division uh, from yeah. time to time. This we'll, year especially, looking terrible. We'll get there. The coin flip of the day was the Raiders-Panthers. Nobody really knew what to expect out of this one. We got what we expected fantasy-wise from Josh Jacobs, who had three touchdowns, and Christian McCaffrey, who did what he always does in putting up 
just ridiculous numbers from a fantasy standpoint. But this was a fun game. I think there were seven or eight lead changes in this one. The Raiders end up coming out on top in Carolina. But what did you think of Matt Rule's performance here in his first game? I, I mean, I think the the bigger takeaway is you know Joe Brady's first impression. So what you know what he did obviously with Burrow and Jefferson and Edwards Alaire and all those guys last year in LSU seemed to convert over. I mean. And, I, you know, we watched a little bit of this together, too. And, like, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater had some had some feisty moments, didn't he? Like, I, I thought he looked really pretty good, like pretty spry, spryer than I expected. And, um, you know, I think that that Carolina team, I don't expect them to be a good team, but I think that offense is going to be really fun. And, um, yeah, the Raiders may have, like, won this one out by attrition, but I do think that that Panthers team is going to – put up a bunch of points and uh, be a tough battle for some of these NFC South teams. Yeah. And the NFC South is uh, not going to be an easy task, but let's go back. Let's, let's go from the NFC South to the AFC South. And I, I just, I I've been just absolutely disgusted by this division for years as this is again, well documented, (laughs) but you had Colts Jaguars in a game that, you take off the Colts uniform and it's just another Phil Rivers game. I mean, this you have Marlon Mack going down. He's out for the season with a torn Achilles. You have the Jaguars who just the, – the cast of characters on this Jaguars team is hilarious. But the Colts just could not – they just couldn't get it together. I know your boy Jonathan Taylor is going to get a lot of looks this season. He's going to be a guy that could potentially win people fantasy championships. But I did not expect this Jaguars team to come in here in week one and win this game against the Colts. I mean, me either. I, I, you know, I sung the praises of Frank Reich in this team for a while now. I didn't expect to see 46 passes out of Phil Rivers in his first game. Um, not a great performance. You're right. Classic Rivers, 36 of 46, 360 yards, a touchdown, two picks. I mean, that's, that is the Rivers we've grown to know and, and kind of hate at times on the Chargers. And, you know, on the other side, how about Minshew? 19 of 20, his only incomplete pass was a drop, 173 yards, three touchdowns. I, the thing I'm, I'm, interested to get your perspective on this but I feel like when you've got a team like the Jaguars who are so clearly like not a competitive team in my mind coming into the season that just have like you know nothing to lose essentially I mean you've got a professional offensive coordinator in Jay Gruden and you know just like a team that clearly like enjoys being around each other but just maybe isn't that good you get sort of that sense of camaraderie I think that that maybe builds I don't know. I feel like the Jaguars might have something in a division that is, like you said, just like very much there for the taking. And uh, this is a great start for them. I, I'm very interested in this Jags team because I think that they could get, they could, you know, be kind of interesting. I mean, look, they easily, Minshew next week could be three of 20 with like five picks, but. It I will they, be. I mean, pump the brakes. Yeah, Come on. It, it, that's what that's what this division is very good at doing. This division is very good at tricking us. You'll think you'll think like, oh, oh, wait, the Texans beat you know they they beat whoever anybody that that's competitive, and then like you you think, oh, they're they're a legit contender in the AFC, and then the next week they go out and lose to the Jaguars by two touchdowns, or or even yeah, or even fair. seven to six on like a ridiculous Thursday night game. That's why I hate this division. That's why I hate talking about this division because this this entire division is complete frauds. And I obviously know the Titans went on their run last year, and 
you know, I have people very close to me that you know that are Titans fans. They're mm-hmm. frauds too. They should have lost to Denver. <laughs> they're we're gonna the get fans? to it, but their kicker, oh, the no, their kicker misses four field goals. It, it's just like, oh, yeah. I hate this division so much. It makes me so sick watching these games. And like, you just it doesn't matter which of the four teams are playing. You you don't know what's gonna happen, and it's gonna probably be really ugly. And at the end of the game, you're gonna be like, what did I just watch? Which, well, especially now that Hopkins is gone, because I feel like with him, that team was a little, that Texans team was a little bit more like less flawed. But you're right; even then, they would just they go out to somewhere and lose some bullshit game that you expect them to run, run a train on, right? And, and then they get pummeled yeah. in the playoffs and like put up their worst yeah. performance of the year every year. I just I hate this division. No, you're right? It, it, maybe maybe I'll get proven wrong. Maybe the Titans will get better as the season goes along and not like have you know this we'll get to that game but i just i i I don't know i i i love your sentiment behind the jaguars and being very excited if you see gardner Minshew go out and have a performance like this but you absolutely to your point know that he's going to come out and have three or four picks this week or the week after and you're going to be like oh yeah well it is still gardner Minshew, and they're running (laughs) they have uh you know their feature back who got like 80 or 90 percent of the snaps is somebody that came out of fcs and nobody's ever heard of like yeah. it's just <laughs> it's this, so true it, it, even like you, the one guy that you think you might get production out of is dj chark and your production comes from like lavisca chenault in this game in like the most random situations possible i just yeah, i, I no nah, i can't i can't with the jaguars you know you go you go out to like three and oh and you like maybe like continue any level of consistency sure but not in the afc south no no you're not you're not impressing me doing what to the colts what you would expect any team to do to philip rivers at any point in his career it just you can't do it (laughs) you just totally convinced me of that all right fair enough i uh, let's not spend any more time stressing you out about this division there you're right they're they're annoying they're all annoying and uh I mean, it would be fun though if Minshew is good, if they're good, and they're just like this upstart team. Oh, but I'm, I, I'm I all for it. Just, just prove it to me. But why yeah. not? Why not stress out about a division that I expected to be stressed out about? And let's start with the Ravens beating the absolute tar out of the Browns, thirty-eight to six. Baker Mayfield is done. This team scored as many points as the number on his jersey, oh, and man. I just, I, I know I'm going to eat my words come Thursday night. But this, this Browns team's trash. Odell Beckham's trash. Baker Mayfield couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. I love it. <laughs> Obviously, it's Lamar Jackson defending MVP. Oh the Ravens are a very, very good team. But the Browns are garbage, man. They're just absolute garbage. I don't know if they're more garbage than the other team in Ohio, which we're about to find out t- today if you're listening on Thursday. But they're trash. I Yeah, I mean, look, I watching that game, you know, they, all the piece, this is the ultimate team who is less than the sum of their parts, I think. Like, I think that if you – you stand up all those pieces. They seem Clippers. They're the Clippers like they of the NFL. Be, yeah. There Except you go. They can't make oh the playoffs. What a mess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They can't. They're. I mean, that Thursday night game, I, I mean, I think that it's it, – like if, if Baker is really bad in that game, it would not shock me if by week four we were seeing, you know, Case Keenum starting no, for the Browns. No. Like They'll ride with him the I, whole year regardless. Dude, if he's bad again, if he's like – and he wasn't even statistically that terrible this game. He wasn't good. But, you know, if, if things just keep getting worse, if they get pummeled on Thursday night in the, on national TV against the, the Bengals and Gerald Burrow, um, and, you know, you're comparing number one picks as the NFL is just putting – just throwing in our faces nonstop with his advertising, like – I mean, it, if you see a, that stark of a contrast between those two guys, I think it's going to be a, a really bad look. And remember, 
this front office, this coaching staff, they're not beholden in any way to Baker Mayfield. I mean, the, the owner is, but, you know, he owns the team, so whatever. And, like, I think that it's – I don't want to jump to this conclusion – jump to too many conclusions after week one, but you're right. Like, he looked so bad. They looked so off, like, completely out of sync. I'm guessing Stefanski will take the ball out of Mayfield's hands as much as he can while the game is still somewhat in hand, like – throughout the next few weeks. I, I fully expect that. Yeah, and fantasy-wise, I mean, in this game, a couple takeaways. Chubb didn't have a great game. Mark Ingram didn't have a great game either. Mark Andrews had a great game. David Njoku had a great game. He goes down and he's on the IR. But this is an interesting fantasy game where you have the guys that you expect to, to perform not performing and the guys that you don't necessarily think are going to blow up, aside from Lamar Jackson and probably mm. Mark Andrews having a great game. So it was, it was weird. I mean, Willie Sneed had a good game randomly. I, I don't know. The Ravens are a good enough team that you're going to have random guys beat you. Dobbins is the guy that somehow they decide is their red zone guy. I don't I don't get it, but whatever. I mean, they're, they win 38-6. to six. The Ravens are going to be probably the one team that can compete with the Chiefs in the AFC. But let's go back to my Bengals. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Dunster Fire of the Week. I didn't. I just. <laughs> I, I. I hate it so much watching this team. I mean, I watched the beginning part of this game with you. As you leave me, there's a chance. As as there often is with the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals. So many games last year, they were in until the end, and they find a new way to break your heart every single year. You all saw the game. You have a offensive pass interference on AJ Green that you know. Was- sure. I, I'll actually. I'll actually say okay. That that call. I I I don't know about it, but. I'm okay with you making that call. Joe Mixon cannot fumble. Joe Burrow, even though you're a rookie, you cannot miss A.J. Green wide open over the middle and John Ross two plays before wide open over the middle. And if you're Randy Bullock, not only do you not miss a 31-yard field goal, but you should not be kicking footballs in the NFL. I don't care that you made two field goals from distance earlier. I hate this guy. He needs to be gone. The guy, honestly... The best thing he did in that game was fake an injury after he missed that 31 yard field. That was That's so the smartest absurd. thing he did. Honestly, fine. And then this dumbass team goes out and signs Austin Siebert to, to try to like right the ship against his former team on Thursday night, which is definitely going to work out, right? It's 100% going to work out. Bengals lose in heartbreaking fashion to Tyrod Taylor, who overthrows every single receiver this game by 25 yards. And they hold Austin Eckler in check. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean,. So some of what you're saying, there are obviously positives to take away from. Not all defense, of it. Obviously, the outcome is not what you want. The defense holding the hold, that team. They, the holds were great. That's <laughs> – it was – I mean, I think that they overall – that's that's pretty good. I, you know, I made a, a bet with our buddy Stove about the sacks in this game. I thought the offensive line, no, you know, held up that. pretty well for the Bengals overall. I mean, at least don't from a sacks perspective, they did – Burrow's just smarter than Andy Dalton. He got the ball out of there when he needed to. He didn't take as many sacks. He, you know, he would run the ball when he was under pressure. The offensive line didn't look great, but Joe Burrow is a much better decision maker than Andy Dalton. The, the, the positive takeaways are Joe Burrow is he didn't he didn't look great. He didn't look very crisp, but he looked like somebody who can play football in the NFL. And you know you're going to get better out of him as the weeks go on. And the defense 100%. was significantly improved, especially at the linebacker position. Austin Eckler should have had 300 yards in this game because of how <laughs> bad the Bengals were last year in, in, in the second level. But it, even mm. without Geno Atkins, they hold the run game in check. They hold three different times in the red zone. And they look pretty darn good in the secondary as well. So those are the, those are the positive takeaways. But you have to remember, this is a Chargers team led by Tyrod Taylor, 
who was trash. Yeah, it was. I mean, look, they're both you know new quarterbacks and a new new system for them, and it's no preseason, so you're going to get a little bit of rough performance, I think. But like, I thought that overall. You know, Burrow absolutely just looks like looks the part. Like the poise was absolutely there. Like you said, the tucking and running was, I think, even more evident than I expected. Even though you know we did talk about the fact that maybe he would be better at that than people thought coming into the season. Um, I, you know, one of my biggest takeaways was it seemed like he was, and I don't know if this is a product of Chris Harris manning the slot for the Chargers or what, but he was pretty locked into AJ on the outside, which is. A good, I think a great thing that he knows like where his matchups are and he, you know, he lets the coverage men dictate where he's going with it. So I do expect a monster game out of Tyler Boyd here in the next few weeks, maybe this Thursday. But I, I think that, you know, overall, like I know it's only 13 points. I know they lose. I know that Randy Bullock is just a horrible kicker, but like I, I thought that the, the positives for sure outweighed the negatives aside from the final outcome, which sucks. Cause like, you are what your record says you are. You only scored 13 points. But I think that there's there's a big explosion coming here for this offense here in the next – I like I could totally see them in the second half of the season ramping up a ton. You just want – just need those guys to stay healthy, you know. And uh, you add Gino to this defense, I think they're going to be uh, – they're going to be a pretty well-rounded group overall. Yeah, I, I, the eyeball test was passed by Burrow, but he threw to the right side way too much. He did look AJ's yes, way way too true. much. He never – really looked at Tyler Boyd looked he looked at John Ross a couple times and missed on a couple passes and and honestly John Ross at this point I'm just like you know I'd I think I'd rather see out and Tate or T Higgins in there I just he drops too many passes he's too fragile but yeah I think that those are things that'll come with time and the good the good news is he didn't make a ton of mistakes he made the big one um with the the interception but I I I think that overall he looked okay yeah, I think so too. What'd you think of Mixon? What'd you think of the way they used him? The way Burrow kind of like maybe did or didn't look his way. Well, overall, what was your impression of him? I think they, talk? I think they could have had more planned run like screen plays, but I, I think Mixon, when he had a little bit of space, he looked okay. But there wasn't really much there, and you would expect that against this Chargers offensive or defensive front. Like you, you kind of yeah. knew that it was going to be difficult to run the ball on this team. You knew you were going to have to get the ball out quick. I, I feel like the game plan was decent, but I, I, I didn't come out of this game impressed with much that the Bengals did. I have to be honest. Joe Burrow did not impress me in this game, but he didn't, he, he didn't break my heart as much as I feel like he could have as a Bengals fan. <laughs> well, the, the team yeah. broke my heart, but I, <laughs> Joe Burrow did – I mean, he did what you want. I said it to – yeah. we were sitting with a couple of my, my brother and my other buddy after you had left. I, I said it to, to them. I said – this is what you want out of your rookie quarterback, an opportunity to win the game in crunch time. He drove them down the field very methodically. He threw a touchdown pass that ended up getting called back. He put them in a position to go into overtime, and their fat loser kicker missed a 31-yarder and pretended like he cramped up. Like That's all, yeah. that's all you can ask for out of a rookie quarterback. Yeah, all right, let's, let's not spend any more time on this. This is this has gone too long-winded. Let's talk about the Buccaneers and the Saints. I mean, really, this is a storyline from week one. We've got this and Cardinals-Niners back-to-back. Buccaneers, aren't you? I, I, I know that the storyline was Tom Brady. I mentioned that I wasn't sold on it. The Saints are a very good team. Michael Thomas goes down. That's a big storyline, too. Kamara gets his mm-hmm. extension. He gets a, you know, a big game out of him. But I don't know, man. Bucks, 
didn't look great. Tom Brady didn't look great. Fournette has five carries for five yards. I don't know. Are they going to be good, or are the Saints just this good? Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at that score, and you're like, all right, 57 points. There were probably a ton of great fantasy days. You know, you're going to think, yeah, Mike Evans has a good day. All these guys, you know, Kamara and everybody else, like you said, not so much. I mean, Kamara does salvage the day with a couple touchdowns and a good receiving day generally, but, like, 12 carries, 16 yards, that's not going to cut it. Um, you know, it's a day when Latavius Murray ends up with more carries than, than Alvin Kamara. And then, yeah, on the other side, like, yeah, Mike Evans obviously banged up, always has problems with Marshawn Lattimore, but, like, you know, absolutely no excuse for the line that he had. If he's playing and Bruce Arians has come out after the fact and said, yeah, we got to move him around. And Bruce Arians just publicly panning Tom Brady. I think that this, you know, the Saints defense is is very good at home, but, like, and there are going to be better days probably down the line. But I think that there is certainly warranted concern uh, about this Bucks offense, personally. I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think they get it together eventually. But I, I also don't really love that defense. And I, I think that overall, like, when you think of the blueprint for a champion, for, which is obviously what they expect to be, I don't really see it with this Bucks team because of their defense, because of how old Brady is. Yeah, I think it's more the latter. I think the defense will play better games. I mean, you, the Saints are tough even without Michael Thomas. They've still got a lot of weapons that they could beat you with. But I don't – I don't know. I Prove me wrong, Tom. You've done it in the past. I've, I've always been mm-hmm. a, a little Same. bit of a hater. But I, we, we talked a lot last year about that Patriots team and, like, you know, how the defense kind of carried them along and how Tom Brady yeah. looked washed up at times. I, I truly believe we're going to continue to see – that progress as the season goes on, but we'll remain to, I, it will remain to be seen. Yeah. I think that it's, yeah, I, I don't want to go too long on them, but I just, I think it's going to be fascinating because they are in a division where they need to post points for sure to keep up with those. And I'll, I'll include the Panthers in that all three of those teams are going to need to score points. I think they, they'll have little problem scoring against the Falcons and the saints, but you know, it's, yeah, <laughs> I think that there's definitely, like I said, warranted concern. I, the other thing I will mention, though, is obviously Gronk looks super washed, but O.J. Howard is a guy that a lot of people just completely forgot about. He has a good game, and I think that, you know, if they incorporate him more, he could be, like, a significant difference maker based on the fact that I don't think that Brady still has the arm strength to drive the ball down the field, but O.J. Howard is, like, the perfect middle-of-the-field type weapon for him. Yeah, and Chris Godwin in concussion protocol this week could miss this mm. game that we'll talk about in a little bit. But what about uh, Cardinals-Niners? Uh, Hopkins, we talked about his career day. The Niners, you know, this is a team that coming off the Super Bowl loss, you, you expect big, big things. Debo Samuel's out. They Ayuk's uh, out. They're, they're facing some serious injuries. Mostert has a good game, but the Cardinals end up coming out on top behind, uh, you know, huge performance out of their newest high-paid wide receiver. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that's got, that's what maybe the biggest takeaway of the weekend to me is the way they looked with DeAndre Hopkins. And it didn't really inflate Murray's game or their, you know, their overall passing performance. But to do that against this Niners defense, like, you know, they're only supposed to get better in terms of their cornerback coverage. And we know that Richard Sherman's on the in the uh, IR now for the next few weeks as of today. And so, you know, maybe that played a role. But for Hopkins and Murray to do what they did, I think is a, an absolutely great sign for them. Um, you know, a lot of times when you have a new weapon like that going to a new team, totally new offense, completely new scheme, um, you don't see like that quick hitting, you know, that chemistry. And 
Murray and Hopkins totally have it. And I just, I think that that's it's a very dangerous thing for the league. At least, you know, I don't know about this defense for the Cardinals, but I know about this offense. And as long as Murray's healthy and Hopkins is health, are healthy, this team has a potential to score the most points in football for sure. Yeah, they definitely got the weapons. Kenyon Drake looking good once again as well. Um, This is going to be an interesting division when you have the Seahawks, Cardinals, and 49ers, all who you would expect big production out of. And the other team in that division, which, Anshu, I know you were very high of, the L.A. Rams went on Sunday night 20-17 to over the Cowboys, who everybody talks about the offense. But it wasn't the usual suspects for the Rams. Malcolm Brown finished with two touchdowns. You didn't really know what to expect out of this running back committee, the three heads uh, coming into this game. Cam Akers doesn't get a lot of burn. Uh, Daryl Henderson Jr. doesn't really do much of anything, but it's Malcolm Brown who surfaces with a big game. Obviously, that has fantasy implications. I know a lot of people kind of looking to pick him up on waivers this week. He's going to be a big ad there, but what do you see out of this Rams team? Jared Goff doesn't really have to do a lot, but you'll expect that he will in in bigger games. Cowboys, I just, I don't know. They have a lot of weapons, but this team just continues to surprise us with how they lose in big games in, in these last few years. I just don't get it with all these weapons. I know. I don't either. And CD lamb looked every bit, the, you know, the talent that was that slipped and that everyone knows could be, you know, a top tier receiver in the NFL. I mean, he looks awesome right away, but yeah, I mean, to me, like, obviously the takeaway, the big waiver guy this week is Malcolm Brown. Um, you want a piece of this, this uh, Rams running game, but I think that, you know, maybe people are seeing delusions of Todd Gurley role type of usage out of Malcolm Brown. I'm not seeing that. Like he had his chances last year. He was not that good. Um, I really liked him out of college, but I like, I think that they used that high pick on acres for a reason. I expect him to get more and more usage over the course of the year. They definitely tried to get him the ball quite a bit. It seemed like it over the course of this game. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I look, McVeigh's thing is just like spread it around, give it to a bunch of different pieces and beat different teams different ways. And I expect that to continue. So this week it was Malcolm Brown. Next week it might be, you know, Cooper Cup, who didn't do much this week. Um, you know, Robert Woods had a ton of yards, but we know that he can be up and down. I just think that they know what to do. I trust McVeigh, and I think that that defense is good enough. As they showed in this game, like, I mean, holding a very good Dallas attack to only 17 points. Um, you know, there was a pretty dubious offensive pass interference call there at the end on Michael Gallup. Like, I think that this is a really talented group uh, between Ramsey and Donald and all the other pieces they have. And I just I think that the Rams are, are going to be a really interesting and diverse team over the course of the year. Agreed. Jalen Ramsey just begging them to go his way. Amari Cooper does have a lot of catches, but uh, Ramsey, I mean, he's he's the definition of a shutdown corner for sure. All right, let's talk yeah. Monday night. There were two eh, games on Monday night. The Steelers defense, mm-hmm. I mean, regardless of what I think about this team, the defense looked ridiculous. They hold uh, Saquon Barkley, I believe it was 15 carries for six yards in the run game. This defense oh. is going to be a problem for running backs this year. I will say Roethlisberger looked very sharp at times and not sharp at other times in this game. And you have the injury to Connor. I, 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 that could be significant, but I think the Giants are still a ways from being competitive, uh, especially on the defensive side. But the Steelers, I think, I think the jury's still out on this team. I know a lot of people were high on Ben. Oh, Ben's back. He looked great. I, I just, I, I don't know how confident I am in this offense going forward. Yeah, I mean, they have a lot of pieces. That's my biggest takeaway. Like, it was less about Roethlisberger looking like young Roethlisberger or anything. Like, I think that he was, you know, whatever. He was he was what he was almost before the injury, maybe the year before. 
which is okay. You know, Big Ben is Big Ben. Look, this is a Giants defense that is nothing to write home about by any means. But I do think that between Smith-Schuster and, you know, all the other pieces of Deontay Johnson and James Washington and, you know, the two tight ends now and Ebron and Vance McDonald and, you know, Benny Snell just came from the dead. Looks like he's lost like 50 pounds. Looks good. Um, you know, and like you said with Connor, like, I mean, if he's healthy, that there are a lot of pieces that can help make the job a lot easier for Ben Roethlisberger. And then, like you said, that defensive line, that front is just crazy good. And then they've got Minka Fitzpatrick in the, in the defensive back. I think that that it's more about like what's around Roethlisberger than what he specifically looked like to me. But I think that he's still good enough to take advantage of those pieces around him. Um, but on the other side, I, I thought as bad as that offensive line played, like Daniel Jones looks pretty damn good to me. He, he looked like he took advantage of his, and you know, like you said, on a night where Saquon Barkley was rendered less than useless. I, I mean, that I thought that Jones really hung in there and did a pretty good job. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he did have a few big plays uh, in this game. Sterling Shepard was was certainly quiet, but uh, there were there were some targets that he found uh, in this game. Slayton, yeah, Slayton had a big game. Slayton's a guy that you know if if I mean he showed flashes of it last year, but he's a guy that if if and I know Daniel Jones, he was the guy that kind of got Daniel Jones going early on when he first started uh, getting getting starts after Eli kind of uh, was benched. But uh, he could mm-hmm. be a guy that that ends up kind of cementing himself as a number one receiver in this league. I. I think that Sterling Shepard was the guy we expected, and he's probably the more crisp route runner. But Slayton's mm-hmm. the guy that uh, can beat you deep at times, and uh, you know it could be interesting to watch his progression from a fantasy standpoint as well. But Barkley's yeah, going to have to have better production for guys like me who drafted him in that first round. I, I, you're not going to get by with eight points in fantasy when you were drafted in the top five. So it did seem to me like the Steelers almost had like. A beat. Like they were in yep. the backfield before the snap was off. Hundred percent. Like Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree was. His eyes were on Saquon every single play. Yeah, and it was wild. I just yeah, yeah. He's. I mean, <laughs> Bud Dupree's. We hate the Steelers, but Bud Dupree is. Uh, he's one of the best there is. All right. What about yeah. Titans Broncos? This game to me was pretty ugly. Obviously, Gaskowski has four missed field goals in this game. The Broncos lose Philip Lindsay. Uh, you have, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon, who looks decent. But the Titans' defense is going to be a problem for teams. Drew Locke looking okay in his first game this season as a starter. Yeah, no, Cortland Sutton, he was feeding Noah Fant and uh, Jerry Judy a lot. Jerry Judy did have a couple drops, which we didn't see a ton of at Alabama. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's they've got pieces, especially when Sutton's back. And uh, even without Philip Lindsay, I think that that's an offense that has the potential to score a lot of points, especially if their defense isn't nearly as good as they were last year without Von Miller, without some of the, you know, Chris Harris and other pieces that they've had in the past. So um, I, I look for them to ascend over the course of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you're right. <laughs> we don't have to belabor the point on the AFC South. It felt like they won the battle of attrition. They probably should have won like 23 to 14 or something. And um, which isn't that much better, but you know, they, they did feel like the better team without much of a doubt. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, it, there's not much to take away. I, I thought it was maybe the worst game I saw all weekend, of, you know, and just in terms of entertainment. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. We went long on our analysis of week one. We're going to try to kind of, we're going to try to make our way through week two. We're going to give our thoughts on the spread here. We're looking at Bovada for all these lines. We're going to give our thoughts on the spread. We're going to give one kind of fantasy storyline in each game, and we're going to 
we're going to really rifle through these. But uh, Bengals-Browns, we talked a little bit about this when we talked about these two games from last week. Bengals are actually six-point dogs on the road here in Ohio. There are going to be 6,000 fans at this game, which is about what you would expect at a Bengals game. But the Browns, I think there's still faith in Baker Mayfield, as we talked about, aren't you? I, I would expect there's going to be better fantasy production out of both of these quarterbacks. I would, too. I think it's going to be a really fun Thursday night game. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm by, I like watching these guys, these teams. Cause you know, you guys are all fans of both of them and I, it's just always fun for me, but it's actually fun this year because Joe Burrow evens the playing field much more so. And so, I mean, I, I love the Bengals this week. They, I think that they are absolutely a better team right now. I do think that, you know, Mayfield's they've got to get some stuff going for him. Um, they got to just get him going. Cause I, I truly do think that if he's really bad again, um, it's going to be a it's going to be a long ten days for the Browns um, ahead of a tougher matchup next week. So yeah, I I, I like the Bengals. Though. I think it's going to be a good game, and the Bengals score you know like twenty four twenty one something like that. I can't wait to watch the matchup of William Jackson and Odell Beckham. Jackson was absolutely shut down. I mean, he he shut down Mike Williams at times in game one. He shut down uh, your boy Keenan Allen at times in week one. He looked every bit the first-round pick that that we hoped that he would be, especially after kind of Drake or Patrick just not being that. But I'm excited for the game. I'm excited to kind of see if Joey Burrow in his second game can let loose a little bit in prime time. You know this is a guy who's not scared of prime time, played plenty of big games in his college career. And the, the, the thing we didn't talk about when we talked about week one is he went up to every single player in the locker room after game one and, and asked how they were doing after that loss. There's one thing you are not going to say about Joe Burrow, and that's that he's not a good leader. And I think that that's something that the Bengals have needed in the locker room for quite some time. So I'm excited for Thursday night. I'm obviously not optimistic of them being competitive this year, but if nothing else, I'm excited to see if he can give me things to cheer about at, at certain points during the year. But let's come back yeah. home to Chicago. We've got the Bears and the Giants. We talked about Mitch Trubisky. We talked. We just got done talking about Saquon Barkley and company. Obviously, the Bears still have a stout defense, but you would hope that Saquon can bounce back. And what do you expect of Trubisky? I know you mentioned this Giants defense isn't great. Maybe this is another week where he extends his leash a little bit and keeps Nick Foles on the bench. Yeah. I oh, yeah. So. Bovada's got it at five. Sorry. Five. I, I do favorite. like, yeah, yep. I, I do like the Giants to cover that. I mean, after seeing Dupree and Watt and all those guys on the Steelers defense, it's going to feel like a tropical paradise against. Although this is still a pretty good Bears defense, obviously, especially the front. But um, you know, I, I just it's going to seem a lot easier. I think it's going to be a better time for them. Um, but you know, like I do, I do expect the Bears to win. I think that the Giants just aren't very good defensively, and. I, yeah, I mean, like, it did seem like they found some stuff that worked in the second half of that game. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I think the Giants' defense at worst is about on par with that Lions defense. So, um, I think, I, yeah, I think that it's going to be – I think the Bears do pull it out. I don't think it's going to be a, a touchdown difference, though. What about Falcons-Cowboys? We've got a big number here at 52.5 on Bovada. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys favored by four at home. You, you, you expect a lot of points. You expect a lot of fantasy relevance. But can the Falcons – I guess both of these teams need a bounce back game. These are both teams that underperform year in and year out these last few. Yeah. I, I mean, I expect a ton of points. This feels like a total bonanza in terms of fantasy points. I mean, I think that uh, I, I, I like the Cowboys. I think that they come home and they, they light it up a little bit. I, we did see some great production, as we said, with the Falcons. It just felt like a lot of it was late when the game was maybe not out of hand, but kind of out of hand. And so, oh yeah. Garbage yards. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Russell Gage, you're not going to see, you know, whatever he had, 10 catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. So I I, I think, yeah, I, I think they'll, they'll both score a bunch of points, but I like the Cowboys here. All right, your Packers are six-and-a-half-point favorites on Bovada against the Lions. I, I think this is another big game for the Packers. I expect big things out of your boy, Aaron Jones. I expect big, big things out of Aaron Rodgers. I'm hoping that I'm right because I have both of those guys. But <laughs> obviously, I mean, the Packers, this is a team people are going to be looking to for fantasy production all year after what we saw out of them in week one. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know I'm trying not to be too biased here, but I agree. I, this is the kind of game that a good offense explodes in. You know, this this Lions team is very decimated defensively. Like Darius Slay left for for Philly, and you know Justin Coleman's on the IR. They're they are a mess on defense, and the bat, there's no excuse for the Packers not to score a ton of points, especially after seeing what Trubisky did to them in the second half. And you're playing this game at home, so. Yeah, I expect more of the same, if, especially if this is like the Rodgers revenge tour. This could be another – I mean, you're looking for a big game out of both he and Jones. I agree with that completely. Is Devontae Adams the best receiver in football right now? <laughs> I don't you know about most talented, but I wouldn't trade him for anyone. Um, I wouldn't trade him for anyone. All right, Titans-Jaguars. We just talked about the Jaguars being – well, I talked about the Jaguars being frauds. Bovada and the world agrees. Nine-point favorites for the Titans at home. I I completely expect Gardner Minshew to have the opposite of the game he had in week one. I want to be proven wrong because I love the story, but I just I don't I don't think the Jaguars are gonna be able to move the ball in this pretty stout Titans defense. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I think I agree. Um I'm a little surprised at the game plan for the Colts against the Jaguars last week. Like why were they not the, I know that Marlon Mack gets hurt. But, like, Jonathan Taylor is not some spring chicken who doesn't know how to run, you know? Like, this guy carried the ball, like, 5,000 times for Wisconsin. Like, he knows how to do this. And so I expect the Jaguars, although they don't really have – or, I'm sorry, I expect the Titans to do a lot more of that to the Jaguars with with Derrick Henry. And uh, I expect, like, a classic late-season Titans game from last year. So I, I'm tempted to, to just pick the moxie and cover here, but I, I do think that the Titans uh, – Titans get it done in a big way against the Jaguars. What about Vikings-Colts? These are two teams that are kind of reeling. They both need a win after that kind of week one unexpected. Well, I I know we expected the the Packers to win in week one, but the Vikings Mm. and Colts are two teams that are very much in the division uh, conversation, uh, the division winning conversation in both of their respective divisions. What do you think? Indy's favorite at home. I'm actually a little surprised that the Colts are favored. Yeah, I mean, they got embarrassed. That, that was an embarrassing loss to the Jags. But I, I do think that, you know, at home, I think they'll change their plan a lot to to what we were just talking about with the Jags. Like, they did not run the ball as much as they'd like to. I know that the Vikings, the one thing they do have going for them is they have a pretty, really good front. I know Daniel Hunter's still hurt, but, um, you know, they're, I, I expect a lot more of that. I think it's going to be a big game for Dalvin Cook on the other end. Um I just I expect them to take that ball out of Phil Rivers' hands a lot more. Uh, so I do like the Colts here. I, I think that the Vikings secondary is just so bad. So when Phil Rivers does throw, I think that Campbell and and T.Y. Hilton are going to be open. So I, I do like the Colts here. I I think the Vikings are going to win this game. I, I just don't see right. it with the Colts. I think Phillip Rivers is still Phillip Rivers regardless of the jersey that he's wearing. And I know the Colts' defense – I, I know everybody Shouldn't expected be the Colts defense to be good. And if Gardner Minshew is going to beat you the way that he did and be as efficient as he was, Ugh, even though Kirk, even though Kirk Cousins 
is probably not worth the big paycheck that he gets every single week. I think the Vikings still have enough weapons to make this Colts team pay. I, I think the Vikings cover and win it. I, I actually like the money line here. Uh, here on Bovada as well. But what about Bills Dolphins? Bills are five and a half point favorites on the road. I I know we're going to see Tua eventually. How soon is it going to happen? Obviously, the Bills really probably the favorite in the NFC East unless Cam can continue, uh, you know, bringing this Patriots team back to their relevance that we always expect out of them. Yeah, I I mean, this is just a bizarre line to me because I think there's a decent chance we see Tua in the second half of this game. I mean, it would not be a fun defense to play. But the way Fitzpatrick looked – Last week against the Patriots, like if he puts that kind of number together in the first half against the Bills, like this is going to be an absolute blowout. And I think that the Bills are going to do that. I do fully believe in the Bills right now against they're just bum slayers. You know, they whoop up on teams that they should generally. And um, and I think this is one of those instances for sure. Yeah, they're definitely bums, and especially with the injuries that they have in the receiving core and the question marks they have oh, at the running yeah. back position, it's uh, it's just an, it's generally an ugly situation in Miami. Uh, so, yeah. what about Niners? They have a chance to bounce back. Seven point underdog, or excuse me, favorites on the road against the Jets. The Jets are just an absolute abomination, but the Niners absolutely need a win here to bounce back and get to one and one. Yeah, and I i mean, you'd be crazy not to pick it unless, you know, I mean, obviously they're going cross-country. It's not ideal. They have some injuries. But, you know, they, like I said, they could have not – they could have Jimmy's backup in this game and still win it, I think. so. Easy on Nick Mullen. Oh, yeah, there you go. He might be better than Jimmy. But I think that, yeah, I think that the Niners go out there and, and obviously get the job done against just a, a horrible team that's down – Maybe they're probably their best offensive weapon, which Jesus Christ, Le'Veon Bell is their best offensive weapon. That's not a good sign. So he's gone. Yeah, 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 and he's gone. So yeah, I like I like the Niners a lot here. Big surprise on this line on Movada for me. The Eagles are the favorites by a point against the Rams at home. Obviously, wow. I think you and I think the Rams are a much better team than the Eagles, especially when you look at the defensive front they're bringing to the table, but. Can the Eagles bounce back? I mean, they're the te- they're the type of team that will have a dumper against a team like the Washington Football Team, <laughs> and then they'll come back and they they will beat a team like like the Rams. So maybe Vegas and and Bovada know something I don't. Yeah, yeah they are. They're, they're supposed to get dumpers. Lane Johnson back, and they're supposed to get Miles Sanders back. We'll see, but th- those are two yeah. big pieces for a team that kind of needs to remain relevant in a pretty mediocre division, depending on what Dallas ends up doing. No, you're you're totally right, and I I, I am a Carson Wentz believer, but it, you know it's getting <laughs> late early if they go to zero and two, and uh, yeah, I think that that's it's a big game, but I'm stunned that they're favored in it. So, I I mean I I think if they were three point dogs, I would like them, but I do not like them as favorites, and so I, I got to go with the Rams here. I just think that they're a better team. I think they're better in pretty much every single way aside from quarterback. So. If that's, you know, and maybe I guess offensive line, but, you know, the way that the Eagles looked last week blocking up the skin or the football team without Lane Johnson was, was ugly. Sorry, don't want to don't want to offend anyone. All right. What about, what about Steelers, Broncos, Pittsburgh, big favorites? I, I hope Drew Locke can channel his inner playoff Tim Tebow in this game, but uh, the, Steelers, <laughs> nice. the Steelers are already starting to get some momentum as a team that people expect to go to the playoffs, and please kill me if that happens. You have my permission. I will pay wow. you. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. I it's mean, a binding contract. <laughs> contract? Oh, man. I, I think that uh, – I, I, yeah, I like where the Broncos are headed later in the season when Cortland Sutton's back and they're able to kind of like 
get their stuff together offensively, but I, I don't know how anyone can look at this matchup and feel good about the Broncos going to Pittsburgh. So I think that this is a pretty prime survivor pick in my mind. I think that's fair. What about Tampa Bay looking to bounce back against the Panthers? You've got Jameis Winston against Cam Newton. <laughs> Those were the good old days, right? <laughs> yeah, they were. Oh, man. Yes. Teddy Bridgewater and, and Tom Brady. Who would have thought an NFC South matchup where Teddy Bridgewater and, and, and Tom Brady are matched up against each other as starting quarterbacks? But the Buccaneers, big favorites on Bovada. Nine points. You expect points here. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful day in Tampa Bay. Yeah, hey, I like the I like the Panthers to cover this though. I thought that what Bridgewater did last week was really impressive. I think that I think they cover. It's a I, big, I do. Big I, line. It's a it's way too many points. It's such a deference to Brady, which is fine. But like you said, I mean, you made me a, a you sold me completely on this, so I give you all the credit because like it's definitely made. So you that know, means it definitely to, won't happen then. Well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> but I think that it's easy to be in the middle of the echo chamber, you know, where it's like, oh, Tom Brady's on Tampa, and, you know, of course now they'll score 50, but I just, I think that this, I, first of all, I think it'll be an interesting high-scoring game, but secondly, I just, I don't know that, I, I, I think there's a lot to figure out for Tampa right now, and so I, I think that uh, I think that the, the Panthers could beat them even, but I, I do think they, they cover with the nine points there. Yeah, I was halfway kidding when I was making the comparison to the, the Clippers, and I know we're not talking NBA on this show, but just because you bring a lot of big names to one place, you expect that they're going to be good. I can't tell you how many notifications I got from ESPN and Bleacher Report saying, oh, this is the this is the Buccaneers' expected offensive lineup this year. Just because you bring Gronk back from partying for – a year and a half or two years and you know you have Godwin and Mike Evans who are both dealing with injuries right now and you bring in Leonard Fournette who's a very pedestrian number four overall pick who's never really been productive as a running back behind a Jacksonville line and then you you have guys like Ronald Jones who you expected to kind of get get things going a little earlier in the season last year and I just I don't know I don't know if this team has the pieces and they're going to be able to gel. You would hope Tom Brady's a good enough leader and Bruce Arians is a good enough coach to get them there as the season progresses. But I just, I don't know if a 42 or whatever, 43 year old quarterback is going to be able to make a team that has very, had a very difficult time staying relevant since they won that Super Bowl against the Raiders in the early two thousands become relevant again, just because you have a Super Bowl winning, like, you know, ridiculously, uh, storied quarterback come and, and, mm-hmm. and be at the helm at, at the latest point at the 11th hour of his career. I just, I know, I know I've been very adamant and, and vehement about it, but I, I just, I'm, I'm not going to just jump on that bandwagon like everybody else. No, I, I think it's a great call by you. I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said. I mean, the reason he is so, he had, has had such a storied career is because of the, you know, because of the continuity with Belichick. I mean, there's, no way either of them win the same amount of titles without the other. And I think that, you know, like, it's just, it's hard to replicate that, even if you have more talent on paper. And I think that that, that takes time. And in the NFL, you don't have a lot of time. I mean, especially in an off season where you have a pandemic. So I think that, that there's a lot of really interesting stuff to think about there. And, you know, you don't just drop players in. Unlike, I think unlike the NBA in many cases, you can't just drop players in and like, it works out, and I know the Clippers are a bad example there, but like it's it's certainly not the case with football. Remember, like the dream team with the Eagles a few years ago with Vic and all those other guys, and you know, like it doesn't just happen magically; it has to happen kind of organically. And I think that you know this is a team um, 
Brady's not young. He's not in the middle of his career. So it's already hard enough for him to drop him into a new new thing is just it's going to be hard. So I like there it's a fascinating super interesting team that needs to be watched almost every week I think, but I think that, you know, there's no given that they come in and beat even a team like Carolina. Agreed. All right, two surprises from week one. The first game of the 3 o'clock slate, Washington and Arizona. Arizona on Bovada is a a 6.5-point favorite. I I think they cover that, and then some. I do not believe in this Washington team. I think Kyler Murray is going to give that pretty solid defensive line fits. I don't think Chase Young has as big of a game here in, in game two of his career as he did in game one, and I think the Cardinals run away with this one in a big way. What do you think? I mean, couldn't have said it better. I think that every single thing you said is right. I think Patrick Peterson on Terry McLaurin's a problem. Um, I just don't think Washington has nearly, like, obviously, if they had the same number of pieces all over their team as they do on that defensive front, then, you know, now they become a very, very interesting team. But they need, they have nothing outside of McLaurin on on that offense. And I know Antonio Gibson's going to probably be a thing eventually this season, but he definitely isn't yet, and uh, I, I just I don't know where else Haskins is going with the ball. Yeah, I agree. What about Chiefs Chargers? You've got uh, Patrick Mahomes going on the road to take on the L.A. Chargers, and this Chargers team, I think, uh, I, I, I don't know about you, I, I don't see Tyrod Taylor being at the helm too long. Obviously, if you win games, that uh, that's going to continue, but I, I just, watching him in game one against a Bengals defense that, I certainly didn't expect to be good. I know they improved it at pretty much every position this uh, this off season, but I certainly didn't expect him to be good. And he he just did not look accurate and and really just missed all over the field at times. I think the Chiefs are going to come in, even though this is a big spread at nine and they're on the road. I think they're going to come in and just knock the knock the bricks out of this this Chargers team. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree on everything. I think that, like, yeah, I, I don't, with an extra couple of days, I just think that the Chiefs go in there. They've gotten, you know, some of the kinks worked out. I expect a big, you know, they can just go down the field the way that the Bengals just weren't willing to for whatever reason. And, you know, exactly. I know that this is, a, this is a pretty good, yeah, this is a pretty good Chargers defense and a good scheme for Gus Bradley, but you know, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Tyree Kill, it's Kelsey, it's you know, CEH. So I think that this is gonna be a this is gonna be a Chiefs blowout for sure in my mind. The other tier uh top tier in the AFC Ravens at Texans. This is the last game in the three o'clock slate. Baltimore, another road favorite, seven points on Bovada and Houston. I mean, this is a Houston team that you kind of almost assume are gonna go to 0 and two again and, and with the Deshaun Watson, you know, Big paycheck, big payday. You've you've lost DeAndre Hopkins. Like where where is this team after they start out zero and two? You just you kind of worry that it's more of the same, and they could potentially maybe fight their way back to eight and eight or nine seven and try to get a wild card. I just feel like the Texans are the same team every year, no matter who they have it on their uh, on their roster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd like to think when you have that guy at quarterback, which I, I think we'd probably both agree that Watson is is that guy. Like he should. You got to win nine, ten, eleven games, and he has in the past. But I think that this year is careening the awards. You know, eight, eight, nine, and seven, seven and nine, which is probably, hopefully, enough to get Bill O'Brien fired. But who knows? I, I actually think that this could be an, a somewhat interesting game, if only because, like you said, the AFC South is so stupid, and you know they've got some, they've got some interesting pieces. And while you know, I think that obviously the Ravens are just so dynamic offensively they don't they're not quite the same team the Chiefs are in terms of the way that they stretch a defense which is a way that like 
you know, the Texans just have a lot of trouble defending deep balls. I know they've got Hollywood Brown, but I think everything else about them, the Texans can be a lot more solid than uh, what we saw out of the Browns last week. So I think that, I think that the Texans can hang in there. I think that, you know, they have a couple extra days. They'll think of some stuff and I'm just going to expect that they, they just sort of make it interesting. And uh, I do expect the Ravens still to win, but I think that it's, it could be an interesting game. Yeah, I, I want to. I, I don't wanna, feel strongly. No, about I know. It. I, 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 but I, I, I completely understand your point. I just, I think that I, I can see it, and I'm not going to be like overly, like crazily surprised if the Texans hang in there. I just, I'm more confident that the Ravens are as good as I think they are than the Texans are as mediocre as I, as I believe them to be. I, I yeah. Again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if they keep it close and it's a fun game and you know. David Johnson ends up somehow surviving the game and healthy. I just, I don't know. I, 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 I get yeah. it, and I, I, I'm optimistic in your point, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Texans leave this game down by 30. David Johnson, Will Fuller, <laughs> and J.J. Watt are all out for the season. <laughs> and Watson, like randomly. Yeah, I, I could totally yeah, do that. You're right. They're all, they're all banged up all the time. So, we'll yeah, see. it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. But we do have a great game on on Sunday night. Uh, we're expecting sixty nine degree weather in uh, in, in nice. Seattle, which is is huge. Uh, but CenturyLink Field, you've got Seattle favored by three and a half points. I mean, this is this is one of the stadiums that it's kind of sad to see uh, without being able to see it full. Yeah, and, and, and this is a uh, you you love to see that night game environment in Seattle. Uh, but we're not going to see it, but we still have a great matchup. And, uh, you know, Bovada's got it at three and a half with a 45 point over under. I don't know if these two teams score 45, though. I kind of like the under in this game randomly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, man, it's tough. They're, the Patriots are not going to be, you know, up tempo by any means. Like, I think that they're, you know, they want to kind of take the air out of it, especially against this team the way they looked last week. Obviously, the Falcons defense isn't, is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, as the Patriots, but you know, like in a normal Seattle game to your point, like I would expect there to be a lot more points. I think this over under would be a lot higher, Um, but I'm, I'm fascinated. I mean, it's a great test for Cam Newton. It's a great test for, you know, for Russell Wilson against a really good defense. So I, I'm, I think this is one of those where like, no one really has any idea. I think that like getting the hook gives me, makes me want to take the Patriots, but I do think Seattle's a, a better team and it, feels like, you know, if last week's any indication, they're going to let Russ pass the ball a lot more. And if that's the case, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see if they're able to, you know, if, if Wilson can do that, because we've never really seen it for a full season in the NFL. So um, do you think they will? Do you think that this is like the Russell Wilson explosion year in terms of passing? I think it can be, but I think Pete Carroll is too committed to the run to allow that to happen. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree. I think he needs I to agree. let – Russell Wilson let it loose, but I think he's too conservative of a coach, and I just I just feel like he's going to lean on Chris Carson too much, and I think Seattle's going to lose close games because of it. Unfortunately, I yeah, think, I think they're a Super oh, Bowl a caliber team. I just I don't I don't know, and I think this is that the kind of game that could go that way, where it's a close game and there's a couple bad calls down the stretch, and the Patriots win, and then we're talking about oh, can the Patriots dynasty continue without Tom Brady? I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of like the Patriots at, my, at plus three and a half in this game, to be honest. I, even though yeah. I think the Seahawks are, like you said, a significantly better team than them. No, yeah, I, I agree. I'm with. I'm on the Patriots plus three and a half. I think that they're worth the money line. I think it's it should be a three point game. The uncertainty makes it 
should sell. Like it should be three. And so just that little half point gives me pause. And, you know, you know that, that, you know, that Belichick's got something planned for, uh, for Wilson. And so I think that that's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. I, I mean, I have really no clue about this game. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's a fun one for Sunday night. Monday night, maybe mm-hmm. not so much. You've got Saints, Raiders. Michael Thomas is going to miss some weeks. He's got a high ankle sprain. He's going to miss time for sure. New England still comes in as a six-point favorite on the road here on Bovada against the Raiders. Raiders surprised people with the week one win. I, I just I don't know how much more of that we're going to see. Josh Jacobs is the truth. I love Darren Waller. The receiving core is the question mark for L.A. And I just – or excuse me, Las Vegas. And I just don't, I, I don't see – I don't see this defense being able to hold the Saints in check with or without Michael Thomas. That's the issue. Can you slow down Kamara and then, you know, just hang on basically and hope that Breeze isn't able to connect with everyone because he doesn't have Thomas. We have no, we have no real way of knowing because I don't think we've seen really any games without Thomas playing over the last few years with Breeze on the road like this. And so, and you know, this Breeze isn't the same as two or three years ago, Breeze necessarily. So I mean, but like you said, the other issue is that, like, can – so the Raiders, can they hold – can they just slow down Kamara? And then on the other end, can they even score on it? What is a pretty good Saints defense? I am i don't think so. So I do like the Saints here. I think that they go on the road and get it done. Take a breath. We made it through. That was That was week one analysis of every game. Week two preview of every game. How many podcasts do you guys listen to that are weekly podcasts that give you analysis on every single wow. game? And I know it takes a lot to listen to an hour and 15 minutes worth of content. And we appreciate the fact that you guys stuck with us through it all. Anshu, I know you had a great week one in fantasy. It's my turn. I know you're, I know you're ready to pass the baton to me as week two it's your turn, baby. It's my turn to have a big week. We're going to be talking all about my week. I know everybody loves hearing about other people's fantasy teams. This is going to be <laughs> a, a phenomenal week, too, for me, and I'm looking forward to it very much, my friend. Absolutely. Led by Rodgers and Jones. I mean, you, there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to you're gonna just – it's going to start with Thursday night, bro, three touchdowns, 250 yards, and, uh, and then it's just going to carry through. Rodgers is going to throw two to Jones, and you're going to set the record for points in every league. I mean, I feel like if we play each other at some point, you're going to have to kind of root for my team. Right? <laughs> oh, not even kind of. I would root for it anyway. I mean, I welcome <laughs> the sweet relief of death. So I'm I'm cool with it. I and I want I want Rodgers and Jones to do well and you, my friend. So yes, I will be. Well, it's easy to root for somebody against you when you know you're going to win. So that's fair. All right, we did it. This is week two preview, week one analysis. We we again we so we appreciate good. you guys listening. We wouldn't be doing this show. I mean, there was some serious contemplation whether or not we were going to come back for another season with COVID and everything going on. You guys are the reason we're doing the show. We, we really appreciate, appreciate you guys continuing to stick with us. Uh, you know, obviously, we're, we're excited to, to be covering the NFL season, and uh, we're excited to bring you guys this content. We love fantasy football. We love uh, betting on these games. So thanks again for listening. But, Anshu, anything you wanted to add before we let our listeners get back to their week and, and look forward to week two here in the NFL season? There is no way I could have said that any better, my friend. Uh, nothing to add there. All right. Well, that'll do it for Anshu Khanna. I'm Josh Dunn. Our time has come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. We'll see you guys in preparation for week three.